Welcome, and thank you for viewing our weekly sermon. I'm Pastor Malone, and I pray this message be a blessing to you and help you grow closer to Jesus. If you'd like to know more about having a personal relationship with Jesus or to connect with us as a church, please visit westacres.org. Thanks again, and God bless. Well, thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Rob, uh, for leading us and uh, preparing our hearts for the word this morning. If you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the pew in front of you. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12. And uh, we're taking a break from the book of Acts with full intention of returning to Acts in the new year. Um, But we are taking a break today. I'm so excited about uh, today's message. Uh, But I'm excited about Christmas. And uh, I'll go ahead and confess, I started listening to music, Christmas music, this week. Um, I didn't start before Halloween like some of you, um, but I am so excited about Christmas. I'm so excited to to preach on uh, Jesus' first coming. And uh, I'm going ahead and let you know uh, about that sermon series. Going to be preaching on the different angels of the Christmas story. If you've ever thought about the Christmas story, it is full of angels. So we're going to explore what the Bible has to say about angels. But full disclosure, whenever you're studying angels, they are messengers. So we're going to be looking at their message, and it's all about Jesus. So be sure to join us through the month of December as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Christmas Eve's on a Sunday uh, this year, so that's even more exciting. But at this time, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. This story takes place uh, near the end of Jesus' ministry. He is in Jerusalem for the Passover. He's at the temple. He's with his disciples. And this is where verse 41 picks up. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small Copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Let us pray. Father God, open our eyes to your word today as we look at this marvelous marvelous example given by this poor widow woman. We don't even know her name, Lord. Look forward to learning who this is one day. Father, I pray you will just please uh, work in our hearts in this area of stewardship and giving. Lord, as this text was introduced, I know some folks already put some some walls up uh, because this is a touchy subject. So, Father, I pray you'll break those walls down. And, Lord, just give us a biblical heart and a biblical mindset on this subject of giving. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. Today's message is titled, The Giver I Want to Be. The Giver I Want to Be. As we enter this season of Thanksgiving, I think it's very important that we spend some time on this subject of giving. 
After all, as I mentioned already during the offering, our giving should always be connected with a heart of thanksgiving. A heart of thanksgiving. And that's what this text shows us today. Our giving should not be done reluctantly, but our giving should be done with enthusiasm. I like what Donald Whitney, uh, he's a professor at the Southern Baptist Seminary, he wrote a book uh, called The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. There's a chapter on Christian giving, and he says this, some people give to the Lord like they pay the IRS after an audit. Think about that. Some people, he says, give to the Lord like they pay the electric company. There's no heart behind that, is it? But he says, few people give to the Lord like a person would, like a man would give an engagement ring to his fiancée. Few people give to the Lord uh, like a person would give their ecstatic four-year-old a Christmas present. That is the kind of giving we are to do. I don't know about you, but I don't want my giving to be characterized as paying the IRS or an electric company, but I want my giving to be pleasing to the Lord. And today, we see a marvelous example of godly giving. We don't know her name, but this poor widow in Scripture, she provides one of the greatest examples of giving in all the Bible. This is the kind of giver I want to be. What kind of giving is this? Well, to begin, uh, this giving is, number one, first and foremost, God-focused. God-focused. Uh, this, uh, there's a danger with our giving. Many times people give for the wrong reasons. Uh, some people give to be recognized. Uh, some people uh, give because they're trying to earn favor with God. That's not going to work. Some people give out of guilt. Uh, some people give, uh, their giving is based on their evaluation of the pastor's job performance. Uh, for example, if they don't like the sermon, they don't give. If their expectations weren't met during the week, they don't give. Dear friends, all of these are the wrong reasons for giving. If this characterizes your giving, then listen up. Our giving is an act of worship. Our giving is not to be man-focused, but our giving is to be focused solely on the Lord. Uh, we see this in this text with this poor widow. She wasn't giving to be seen or recognized. She wasn't giving to a religious system. If you were to read the preceding verses of this text too, you wouldn't want to give to a religious system because it was corrupt. She wasn't giving to man but she was giving to God. Look at verse 42. It shows her coming up and putting her two small copper coins in the offering box. These coins wouldn't have made much noise. Let me explain the noise factor by describing these offering boxes in the temple. In the temple, there were 13 offering boxes. And these boxes were, were used for people to pay the temple tax, but it was also used for folks to bring in their free will offering. Uh, but instead of looking just like a plain old box, you know, the, the Jews were very creative. The, the top of this box was shaped like a trumpet. It was shaped like a trumpet. It was made of brass. So when you dropped your coins in, there was no dollar bills back then. When you dropped your coins in, 
it was loud. It would make a lot of noise. In fact, the, the more coins you put in, the bigger your offering. With that being said, I could just picture those folks who dropped in all those coins, making all the noise. They probably took pride in their offering. But this poor widow, her two small copper coins, they didn't make much noise. And she didn't make much noise either. You notice in this text, she doesn't even say a word. She comes up to that offering box quietly, not only quietly with those two little coins, but she doesn't say a word. She exemplifies the godly character Jesus uh, spoke about on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This lady did not come to the temple that day. She did not come to the, give her offering to be seen. But dear friends, I want to let you know this. She was seen. She was seen by the only eyes that matter. She was seen by Jesus. Go back to verse 41. Jesus sat there. I could just picture him sitting there, catching a seat, watching people as they give their offerings. This lets us know two things. Jesus knows our giving. He knows about the gifts, but he knows the heart behind our giving. So he knew exactly what this poor widow was giving, but he also knew exactly why she was giving. That's what we see in our text today, but that's Jesus in the flesh, in the temple. But dear friends, our Lord Jesus still does the same thing today. He knows all about our giving. He knows exactly what we give, and he knows the heart behind our giving. With that said, we must not give for the wrong reasons. We must not give with the wrong heart. But we must have a heart of worship with our giving. And our giving should be solely focused on God. Take all these other factors away. Your eyes should be on Jesus only when you're giving. Because those are the only eyes that matter when it comes to your giving. We are to give with the right heart. A heart of thanksgiving. How do you get that heart? Well, you get that heart by first recognizing everything you have comes from God. And you also get that heart by recognizing everything you have belongs to God. You might be saying, well, what? I thought what belongs to him is just what I give you. No, everything you have belongs to him. Uh, when you die, there's no U-Haul following you to heaven. There, you, you never see a, a hearse with a U-Haul, right? When you die... Everything gets left behind. What you have in this life, what you possess, what you earn, what you're given, is not yours. You are simply a steward 
of those things. What's a steward? You are a manager of those things. And you will have to give an account. Our giving should be God-focused, but secondly, we see through this poor widow's example, our giving should be generous, generous. When she brings her offering, it says she gave two small copper coins. These copper coins were, they didn't have Abraham Lincoln on them because he wasn't around then, guys. But these two coins, they were called lepta, lepta, and they were worth only a fraction of a cent. If you were to see these coins on the ground, many of you wouldn't even take the time to to bend over and pick them up. Uh, Some of you don't even do that today with coins on the ground. You see a penny? I walk by quarters all the time. I'm just amazed. Nobody's picked it up before me. Uh, But you wouldn't even bother picking this kind of money up because the, the value was so small. This is what this woman brought to the offering box. Yet Jesus comments on the woman's generosity. He comments on her generosity. Uh, look at verse 43. It says, And he, said, he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. How on earth is that possible? How on earth could these two small almost worthless coins, be the greatest gift of the day. What was Jesus seeing here? What was he looking at? I want to tell you this. I'll tell you what he's looking at. Jesus wasn't looking at the portion of her gift, but Jesus was looking at the proportion of her gift. She gave everything she had to live on. She didn't give 10%. She didn't give 50%. Folks, she didn't even give 75%. She gave it all. She gave 100%. She gave all she had to live on. So looking at her gift compared to the gifts of the rich that gave large sums, by the way, uh, this lets us know uh, something about the rich here in the story. It said many rich, back in verse 41, brought many large sums to the offering. This lets us know that, yeah, what they brought probably made a lot of noise. What they brought was probably way more than what she gave. But if you were to look at their total assets, their total income, it would be a small proportion. This woman gave everything. Therefore, she gave the greatest gift. Therefore, she was the most generous person in the temple that day. Did you know this is the most generous person in all the Bible? This poor widow. We don't even know her name. She's the most generous person in all in Scripture except Jesus, okay? Some of y'all are probably like, he didn't say Jesus. Uh, She's the most generous person in all the Bible. Yet she gives only two small copper coins what does this teach us about generosity well here's a timeless principle you need to know about generosity you don't have to be rich to be generous you don't have to be rich to be generous you have to be generous to be generous did you get that you have to be generous to be Generous. Some of, uh, some of you are probably saying, well, you, you know, if I had more money, if I could just make more money, or if, if I were to, to receive a, a large inheritance, then I would be generous. 
No, you wouldn't. Because if you're not generous now with a little, you're not going to be generous later with more. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, uh, Jesus said this, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. I want you to know this. If you're greedy now with a little, you're going to be way more greedy when you get more. If you want to be generous, you have to be generous with what you already have. If you want to be generous, you've got to be that person today. Be the person you desire to be today. Quit saying, well, tomorrow, maybe, maybe if I get this, maybe if you get that. No, you've got to be that person right here and now. This woman was known for her outrageous generosity. And God has done wonderful things with her outrageous generosity God has done wonderful things with those two small copper coins that were worth next to nothing. I want you to think about this. Just think of all the sermons that have been preached on this woman's generosity. Think of all the people whose giving has been transformed. Think of all the people who have started giving because of this woman's story. God has multiplied those two small copper coins into billions. I, I, would, I would say this, 2,000 years, maybe even trillions of dollars for the kingdom of God. We will only know the return on these two coins when we get to heaven. Likewise, we're going to see the return on our giving when we get to heaven. What kind of return will it be? In addition to God-focused giving, in addition to generous giving, we see through this woman's, this poor widow's example that our giving is also to be, number three, sacrificial. Sacrificial. Look at verses 43 through 44 with me. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow is put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. This woman gave out of her poverty. She gave everything she had to live on. Her giving was truly sacrificial. Going back to the rich in this story, it said many rich gave large sums. But I've already said this, though. If you were to look at the proportion of their giving, it was in nowhere close to, to how God had already blessed them, at their total assets and their total income. You know what their giving was? Their giving was convenient. Their giving was easy. Their giving was comfortable. Their giving was painless. Sacrificial giving. That's different. This woman's giving was different. What, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is going without. Sacrifice is, is giving up something. Sacrifice is, if you want one word, felt. Felt. This poor widow's gift was sacrificial, and it was felt. 
And while this text isn't prescribing us to give everything, to please don't leave here thinking, the pastor just wants me to write a check with everything I have. No, this text doesn't prescribe that. But it is prescribing sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. We see this throughout the Bible. I love the story of King David. It says in 2 Samuel 24, King David was wanting to, to buy a field so he could offer burnt sacrifices And when he went to the landowner, the landowner said, King David, I just want to give you the property. Take my field. More than that, I want to give you the the, the livestock to offer your sacrifices. But what did David do? David said, no. No. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. He said, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. From the example of King David, from the example of, uh, of the man that, that was after God's own heart, what do we learn? An offering is not an offering unless it is sacrificial. We are not to give conveniently. We are not to give comfortably. We are not to give in a way that, that we can't feel it, but we are to give sacrificially. So how do I give sacrificially? How does a person give sacrificially? Well, for some, not trying to step on your toes, you need to start giving in the first place. You need to start worshiping the Lord through giving. You might be saying, well, I give my time. I give my talents. He wants it all, folks. He wants it all. The best place to start, the biblical place to start, is the tithe. The tithe. Now, what is the tithe? The tithe is the first 10%. The first 10%, not a 10%, not the last 10%, not what's left over, but it is the first 10% of our earnings. It's the, it's, it's the first fruits. Have you... Remember who we're worshiping here? The God of this universe, the Savior, the Lord. Doesn't it make sense for him to have what's first and what's best? Have you ever thought about the day of the week we're meeting on? Many of you are like, this is the last day of the week. Newsflash, no, this is the first day of the week. We're giving him the first day of the week for our worship. We're to do the same thing with our treasures. Some would argue, now, pastor, tithing is not in the New Testament. Tithing is not required in the New Testament. It's not commanded in the New Testament. I totally agree with that statement. However, I would say this. Those who are saved by grace should give way more than those who live under the law. Grace giving should be way better than law giving. Amen? We see that in the, the, the example of the early church. Every passage almost where there's money in the book of Acts, one of the marks we see is generosity. Uh, the early church was generous and, and sacrificial with their giving. Therefore, I would say this church, in 2023, I, I believe in tithing. But I would also say this. The tithe is not a start. The tithe is a starting place, not a stopping place. 
As we grow in the Christian life, we are to grow in every area of our Christian walk. We are to grow in our holiness. We are to grow in the Word. We are to grow in prayer. And we are also to grow in our giving. I'll never forget a sermon I heard when I was in the Navy. I was 21 years old, stationed in Virginia Beach. In the church I was attending, the pastor preached a sermon on giving. As soon as he announced the subject, as soon as I saw the text, I was, I would be honest with you, I was repulsed. I, I was uncomfortable because I didn't have the right heart and the right attitude about giving back then. I'll say this, full disclaimer, I grew up in a house of tithers. I grew up with parents. I saw them write that check. I saw them pray over that check as a family. I, saw, I knew it was sacrificial. I saw all those things. I grew up, I'm not sure if West Acres did this back in the day, the envelope system. The envelope system. You had your envelope with your name on it. Some of y'all were like, I still got it, Pastor. Um, put your name on it. Did you bring your Bible? Check. Did you bring your offering? Check. I mean, I was on the way to being a tither for life, right? As soon as I got out of the house, as soon as I started making my own money, I wasn't tithing. I was like, man, what am I going to buy now? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with that? So I was uncomfortable. I was repulsed when, when I heard this preacher talking about money. And, and I put up my guard. I said, I don't want to hear it. But I'll never forget that pastor said these words. He said, if Jesus is not Lord over your finances, then he is not Lord of your life. Because if he's Lord of your life, he's Lord over everything. Those words pierced my heart that day. And I made a decision right then and there, in that pew, making an E-4 salary in the Navy. I said, Lord Jesus... I'm going to tithe my next paycheck. I think I'd already blown most of it that week, so I couldn't tithe at all. But I said, I'm going to tithe my next paycheck. I'm going to give it to you. Jesus, you are Lord. You're going to be Lord over everything. Help me with this, Lord. Folks, I've been tithing ever since. I'm so glad I started. And I don't regret it one bit. I don't miss anything I've given to the Lord. So I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful for that preacher, though. His name is Carl Sexton. He's in heaven now. I learned that he passed away during the pandemic. I am so faithful that preacher preached the whole counsel of God, including on this subject of money, because his faithfulness has transformed my worship. I'm so grateful. So now, 16 years later, I'm standing behind a pulpit. So what do I want to ask my church today? Is Jesus Lord over everything in your life? Is Jesus Lord over your finances? If not, make him Lord over everything today. This story of the widow's offering is found in two places in our New Testament. It's found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12, 
It's also found in Luke 21. It, it takes place in Jerusalem during the Passover. But in Mark's gospel, we learn something specific. This story, this history took place two days before Jesus would go to the cross. I feel that the timing of this is significant because as Jesus was watching these people give their offerings, he saw this woman go to that offering box that day and he saw her give everything. And as Jesus watched this woman give sacrificially, his mind had to be thinking of the sacrifice he would be making in just 48 hours. Jesus is giving is a lot like this woman's. This poor widow's Jesus gave everything. But church, I want you to know this. Jesus' giving went way beyond money. Think of what Jesus has given us. We've sung about it today. Jesus left heaven. Jesus left his throne. Jesus left his riches. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus became a servant, washed feet. Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and for me. He gave his everything. Why are we to be givers? Why are we to be generous? Why are we to be sacrificial with our giving? Because our Lord Jesus is all of those things. That's the kind of giver I want to be. And I pray that's the kind of givers you all will be as well. Let's pray.